Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. It's true. Hi there and welcome. Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning, February 25th, 2020. Oh, beautiful in Florida and Arizona. <laughs> Maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, in a couple of days Crystal. we can sing. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> He's singing. That's Tristan, the singer of stat. The horrible at singing U2 of stat. He's won myriad fantasy trophies. They're all adorning his shelves. He's a master in player evaluation, strategy, singing, and locating underrated chicken parm venues. Behind the glass in Bucolic Bristol is the underrated Kyle Sabi pushing all the right buttons as our producer because basically somebody has to. And he excels in statistical sport. I have no idea how he feels about Did chicken Did you say parm. excel? I'm not very good at excel. Excel rules. <laughs> What's the source? I'm Eric. They needed a host. On today's show, spring games have begun. We will focus on some more injuries, evaluating starting and relief pitchers, and later on when the music plays, we answer your Twitter hash browns. Here's the buzz. All right. Uh, so games have started. Have you been watching, Tristan? And have you noticed anything that would affect your rankings? Or do you need a couple more weeks? Or does it not matter at all? I've been watching. Uh, there's nothing really to react off of yet. Nothing major, at least. <laughs> one game where especially pitchers are throwing one inning, maybe two, is not going to tell me much of anything in these early uh, in this early going. A lot of the players coming off injuries are going to be worked in very slowly, so that's a pattern we're seeing here. So, no, I'm not making any rash uh, movements yet. I would say probably by a week from now, it's time to start reacting and moving guys around. Yeah, I mean, I've got the games on in the background, but like, you know, when Logan Forsyth homers, it doesn't mean much to me. It may mean something to the announcers who are going nuts, but not to me. Um, I'm looking for injuries. I'm looking for why players aren't out there on the field. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of players battling discomfort and soreness. We get that every spring. I'll worry about it in three weeks. Like if Yes Money Grandal still hasn't suited up on March 15th, that would be different. Um, we do have one major guy to discuss. That's Luis Severino of your Yankees. And um, I- I'll let you discuss it, but I'm just going to say one thing. I want no part of this. I want no part of it. I wanted no part of it last year. And I, when I update my rankings in the next day or so, number 50, I like I, I, among starters, I, I'm going to move him to a place that I just, I'm not even stashing him. I don't see how this ends well. What do you think? I know you're sad by that. I mean, maybe no, I is that a reality right, to you? I, th- I think you're right. And and this is going to delve into the philosophy of rankings. And that is, should the rankings reflect the projection or should the rankings reflect what you specifically at the draft table are going to do? Because that part of me is the pessimist with Severino. I don't like this injury. We know where a lot of these go. I don't want to inspire a panic here. But when he talks about he has discomfort when he throws a changeup, it's unusual. And I don't like the the very uncertain description of this and the fact that they're shutting him down. I can't see how he's ready on opening day. So we're already looking at that as the best case scenario, that he he has an IL stint to start the first couple of weeks. I'm worried. I used to rank players like this so I didn't look dumb. And now I don't care anymore. (laughs) But are you going to rank him 50th? I mean, let's let's put it down here. Today, you're putting a ranking in right now. Would I rather have David Price or Luis Severino this season? I'd rather have David Price. I, I, I think I'm going to move him to a spot that looks 
that that reflects what I think, as opposed to ranking him 22, which is kind of like in the middle and saying, well, maybe I want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. This is not going to end well. Now, maybe he pitches in April and I look stupid, but that won't be the first time. I just, I'm, I, I don't rank, maybe it's maturity and I'm not as 22 anymore. Like, I just don't feel like ranking players at a certain spot. I don't do this in football either. Kyle, you know this. Like, I, if I don't think that Carson Wentz is a good play, I'm not going to rank him 10th because everybody else is. I'll rank him 20 because that's where I think he belongs from now on. And different from a weekly perspective in football, though. And by the way, you know, I mean, you've, you've, you've kind of become wise in your 29 years of age here, so. <laughs> Anyway, Severino, be careful, right? You agree? Yes. This is the thing when I raise philosophy, is that what I don't like doing is taking an uncertain diagnosis on a player, swinging them all the way down to the pessimist rank. So, for example, I, I, I think I would feel uncomfortable drafting him in the top 60 at his position right now, but I can't rank him like that in a published set of rankings, because the last thing I want to do is put him there, find out the diagnosis is not all that severe, and then need to move him back up to 25th. I hate doing that. I I see that point. But by the way, and this goes to a larger philosophy here, look at our rankings, but don't look at our rankings. Look at our projections and ADP, but don't look at our projections and ADP, people. They're guides. They're guides. There's nuance to this. Right. But like, it doesn't always reflect your league rules, as I wrote in an article today. And also, this is just a guide for where a player is going to go. If we have Eugenio Suarez ranked in the fifth round, that means taking him in the second round is not smart. But if you wait until late fourth, you might not get him. So this is just about the range of where a player is going to go. But the projections, the ADP, the rankings, all that stuff, they're just guides. And I don't I, even follow my own half the time. But, well, that's the thing. I say I don't I don't look at them as guides, uh, guides as to where they're going to go. I look at them as closer to where I feel that they should go. Yeah, but that, that's fair, too. But also, I mean, it also is a... It's like a referendum on what others believe, so you know what others think about these players. But, but, if, but, if, if Nick Madrigal's going around 20, okay, generally, I know I don't have to reach around 10 to take him. But I, but I start thinking about if I really want him, I'm going to like look, start looking like round 16, round 17. That's but all. This, we both have major drafts where our names are on the line here, the labor drafts, the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. It's been around for, what, 20 years? Right, there's this years. weekend in Florida, yeah. yes. So... And and I remember I, this story keeps coming back to mind that the first year I played in it, we had that issue where Jeff Kent was washing his car and I think he fell off and broke his hand or something to that effect. Yeah. And it happened the day of my draft. And that was the draft I was in was the NL only. You were in it with me. On that day, your rankings will say where the player was and we can't necessarily update it at the time. Even if we did, aren't you on that day the most terrified to draft that player? The day that the Severino news broke yeah, and your you draft know. was that day, you're out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably be out. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's a wrong feeling We because there's too much unknown. But I don't think for the published rankings that it does a lot of service for me. This is the way I look at it. To to move them down significantly until I know what's going on. I'm putting them – I'll say I'd throw a number 30 on them. We'll get to labor drafts and, and the uh, NFC drafts we're doing a little bit later in the show. Briefly with other names here because I don't think it's another major story. Um, I won't draft Yasiel Puig either. He's not on the team right now, but even when he gets on one, I'm that's not going to buy in. I, I hope it's not Chicago White Sox. Yeah, don't really block any young prospects, yep. you know, yep. or like there, there was talk about Colorado. Don't don't block Hilliard, like who may be good. They have more you know? openings, though. I understand in Don't the Rockies block. case. Why would you want him? I just, I, no, I'm out. Well, you gotta love it if it's, you know, from from a fantasy perspective, if he ends up in Coors Field, you're gonna love that. Well, this is the Kimbrough argument from last spring. 
I didn't know when he was going to sign. Then he never did until July. You know, it's like you're going to stash this guy forever. This right. guy yeah. um, concerned about Freddie Freeman elbow inflammation. He scratched from today's game. He did have offseason surgery on that elbow. Now he had a great year anyway. But if you had him ranked twelfth, are you moving him to seventeen? Like, or does it not matter? This could be actionable. Yeah, it, it could matter. I I lean towards it not mattering right now because I trust the the consistency and durability that he has shown for the most part over the past five years. Uh, that was one of the reasons I liked him so much. So if this lingers over, I'd say a week to ten days plus then I would start to panic because that is going to erode the, the greatest strength that he had. He's not in the second round because he puts forth potential first-round numbers. He's in the second round because he consistently puts up numbers very much within that range. I don't see a whole lot of other news we need to get to. Is there anything that you would like to discuss in the news? I just There's not much here. Like I don't care that Altuve was grazed by a pitch. He's going to be fine. He's the, frankly, a couple of these Astros are going to be really underrated in drafts. Um, yeah, that's the thing. How you know? Are you noticing that they're coming at a discount? Oh, a huge discount, which I yeah. think is ridiculous. Can you believe? So you, you mentioned we're doing a couple of these drafts. This the TGFBI draft. I was shocked to see that Alex Bregman nearly made it back to my second round pick. This is a 15 team mixed league where Bregman almost made it back to what would have been pick 27 overall that's, in round two. I don't get it. That is way too he much went, of a discount. He went before I, I, I picked 15th eventually. It took a long time to <laughs> get my pick. And, uh, and he was gone, but Soto, I got Soto and, uh, and Arenado, which I was pleased with. But yes, Bregman to me is a story first round pick. I have him like ranked number 10, but that's a different format too. Altuve having round two. I, you know, Jordan Alvarez, he did it because of the blank banging. I, Sorry, I'm not buying that. Let's uh, lots of discussion today on starting pitchers and relief pitchers. So let's get into that. Um, I guess overall, how comfortable are you with taking a starting pitcher in round one? Garrett Cole, you're sitting there around seven or eight. I uh, pick seven or eight. Are you really taking a starting pitcher, or are you taking safer guys that you feel like Bregman, Arenado? Uh, what are you doing? It's, or does it depend? I'm taking Cole, and I did just take Cole at four overall. At four. 15-team wow. league, a little bit different. Um, and I did want to go into this one with the... the yeah, why is it the, different? Because the leaning for me in this draft, based on the depth for mixed leagues, was to go a bit towards the modified Labadini. My theory was that I was not going to like the starting pitcher I could get in round two or three on the way back in a league this deep. Um, and it turned out that Steven Strasburg was there at my pick. And you know, Great. In retrospect, I would rather have gone with Cody Bellinger in that spot at number four and then taken Strasburg in round two, but you know, so be it. I like Cole a lot based on – I think it's a pretty high return on investment probability, which is not present at the starting pitching position. He's one of those rare guys where he put up, as I said, a record swinging strike rate last year. Since that's been tracked, his was a record. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. There's a, a paucity of top – ace guys you know maybe 12 to 15 of them so in a 15 team league as opposed to the espn standard 10 team points leagues yeah you might reach a little bit man i don't think i could have taken cole over bellinger in almost any format i see why you did it this is not a points league in a points league maybe but um and i'm sure strategically speaking was the direction i went there i i think that where you're saying it's seven absolutely it's going to depend a little bit on what's left there at seven but make me the case for a player over him if bets and bellinger and guys right. like that are already gone We've discussed the top tier on previous shows. Cole, one. DeGrom, two. Verlander, three. You have Scherzer a little bit down, 18. Um, but still the number fourth overall. And then you've got Bueller, five. So a little bit of a, of a distance between those guys. So the first tier and the second tier. You have Chris Sale, eight. He's probably going to be in my do not draft list. Why do you think he's going to be on that list for me? 
Uh, you wouldn't pay the premium on a guy who does come with injury risk. Um, and I why would you? Why would I? Just based on the ability that he has when he's healthy, the swing and miss potential. I love guys like that. I I have to take the optimist approach with the information that we have today. Okay, so Chris Sale over under twenty five starts. Right now, I'll take the over on that. We both have 14 starting pitchers in our top 60 overall, which seems fair. I've I've evolved over the years where I would take a couple starters early. Like if two of my first four picture starters, that's fine. But I'm not. I never go into a draft saying, "Oh, it's got to be a hitter or a pitcher in round one," and then the opposite in round two. I never do that. You kind of just did that though, in that in that 15 teamer. So do you go into draft saying, "Well, this my first pick will be a hitter," or do you say best available and then react to that? Um. No, in this one where you do have some say in what pick you take, um, I was kind of hoping at four that if I ended up being there that one of the top three would slip because it did happen, if you remember, in our other league of this style. (laughs) Uh, I believe it was Trout fell to four, which I still can't explain and I still can't justify Francisco Lindor was in the top three. Um, But I did not go into this assuming I was going to go in one direction. As a matter of fact, it was a difficult call and I had to base the team strategy based on that and it was nothing more than that. But I don't have an issue with taking that ace if you're in the back end. So... Eric, in your case, you you picked a later pick in your in your draft. In that spot, I kind of like the idea that say you're in a 10 to 15 team league and you're drafting between 10 and 15. I like the idea that you're going to probably get one of those four ace types at the back end. You're going to get a great hitter and you're going to get a great pitcher and it's a good way to start your team. I'd I'd very likely go in that direction. I don't think I would lock into two hitters in any way. I don't think I would lock into two pitchers in either way if I was drafting in that spot. And by the way, in my draft, not only were the top four starters going, Bueller went to pick before me. So to me, it was in the first obvious. round. Yeah, yeah. So I had to take a surprised by two that. hitters. So of your top ten, let's talk more about ESPN standard leagues or yep. what yep. you you rank for. Now ESPN standard is points leagues. AJ Mass has rankings there. I have Roto ranks. You have head-to-head categories, rankings. so Which I think is technically the standard, but I don't think it's the most played. It's pretty divided, though. I have no idea what we're doing, but I'll just talk about your rankings. So, risks early on. Sale, I think, is a risk. Blake Snell is a risk to a degree. Last year was not you know smooth. The injuries are the risk. Clayton the Kershaw, same thing. Is, yes, um, yes. Well, Sale's ERA was four and a half, was it not? No, I'm, I'm saying Snell. Snell, okay. Snell's. Snell's was some misfortune on balls in play. Some of the things that went right for him in the Cy Young year went terribly wrong for him in the games he played when healthy. But there are there are health questions regarding Sale, Snell, Kershaw, uh, and then, of course, now we've added Mike Clevenger with that. You know, the lower we both, we both uh, dropped Clevenger down quite a bit, I think uh, 16 and 17, respectively. Um, other pitchers here are of note. You Darvish is 21 for you, so you're buying that what he did last season where he just inexplicably stopped walking people is legit, um, and I can't argue that. You have one spot ahead of Otani. I, I can't – I don't know where I have Otani ranked. Otani doesn't really count for this, I, I feel. How, I, I, what's your, your perspective on, on ranking Otani? <sighs> I don't want him. I don't want to deal with it. I don't think he's making 25 starts, and I don't think he's batting 400 times. I think they're going to be really careful with him again. So, I think in our you know, game, though, which is the purpose of the ranks, yes. I think we need to be more, more optimistic than Take the, the upside field. pick. Right, because we can, in our game, exploit the daily 
matchups for him. We we can if we're going to do the homework, we can maximize Otani's utility because we're going to get both sides of the ball. We're going to know that Daisy DHs and doesn't pitch, and the Daisy pitches, he's not going to be in our lineup as a hitter anyway. So we're maximizing every stat there. And also, there's a big difference between a ten and a fifteen team league. And a ten team league on ESPN, I mean, the free agency is loaded. <laughs> Right. I mean, there's going to be home run hitters there. There's going to be decent starting pitchers there. Closers are just going to be sitting there all season. Like nobody's going to draft Michael Givens. Nobody might even draft Hansel Robles. There's going to be closers out there. So you could take a shot on an upside pick like Otani, who could be a, he could be a top 10 starting pitcher in, in theory. Mm-hmm. So you could take a shot on that because you know that if he's hurt or if you have to bench him, you can always find somebody else in a deeper league. You really can't take that chance. Although you would argue, well, if I'm not winning my deep league, I might, you know, I might as well finish last. So you take the chance there too. It, it, it's a, it's strategy. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, Tyler Glass. Now everybody's talking about him. Where do you stand on this? Is he a potential top ten guy? Is he an injury risk that you don't want any part of? You've got him ranked in your top hundred. Quite certain, I don't. So, are you feeling like 150 innings is likely? No, but I don't think 150 innings is a black mark on him either. I think it's... He's got unbelievable potential when he's out there on the mound, and I do trust the Rays' ability to manage their pitchers. They maximize their matchups on both sides of the ball. Um, They also have a great ballpark for pitchers. I think that's another thing that works very much in the favor of the Rays, is that their ballpark is very pitching-friendly, and I don't think people give enough credit to how much it is. And... The third thing in Glasnow's favor is that he's constantly making adjustments to improve himself. He's talked about this a lot during the spring training, that he's he's trying to mix up the, the pitch mix. I think he's working on a splitter this spring training. I like guys who are going to ditch their bad pitches, add some new ones, experiment a little bit, a little bit to improve their game. One of the things I talked about in my article today was um, balance. Uh, old and young players, uh, durable and maybe brittle players, um, that could go for teams, too. I don't want three members of the same rotation. When it comes to starting pitchers, do you have any strategy that you like to share? Do you take more chances than not? Um, do you want durable players, lefty versus righty? Anything that you can share? I'm less apt to draft the durable players now on the pitching side than I ever was. Uh, I do think you can piece pitching together. That's one of the reasons I did go with Cole is that he's one of the very few who does have the durability at least the track record for durability. So I know that's my one known commodity. He's the anchor of the staff. And I think the rest of the staff, you can mix and match. And that includes the bullpen. It is a dangerous strategy there. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I do think that if you were aggressive on the waiver wire, especially in our game where there's a lot of free agents out there, you could stream almost the entirety of your remaining pitching staff. That's the reason I like guys like Tyler Glass now, like Brandon Woodruff, who might have some some uh, durability or workload questions. I think you can maximize their numbers. Frankie Matas, Montas of the A's, I don't know if he can give you uh, 200 innings, but I think in what he does give you, he's going to give you some breakout potential as well in that same kind of kind of uh, sense. All right, uh, I'll name some pitchers from your rankings, and you know, you tell me you, what comes to your head. Julio Urias of the Dodgers. Another guy who I love the upside, and I don't think that the uh, – I won't say durability. I don't think that the, the workload slash stamina will be there. I'm, I think Urias is the kind of guy you should be projecting 140 innings, and every single out he gives you over that is gravy, but you're going to like what he gives you on kind of like the light glass now tier. Herman Marquez of the Rockies. In, but there's a cap on his ceiling. It's He's a chorus pitcher. And John Gray, to the same token. Yeah, and I'm, I'm 
in on a less, you know, at a much lower price than than Marquez. But I I do believe you can with homework extract maximum value. Joe from, Musgrove from, of the Pirates. Like him was on the Kings of Command list for this year. Has great skills, and the issue is uh, Dave Bush, <laughs> our, our favorite Dave Bush from back in the day, mm-hmm. can't pitch out of the stretch. If he can improve that one area, I think Musgrove could really break through this year. So that's what I'm watching with him. In a general sense, Tristan, how do you view pitchers on bad teams? Pirates, Miami, Baltimore, um, you know, because run support just might not be there. Wins may not be there. Detroit, like Matthew Boyd's on a a bad team. Mm -hmm. Tigers are bad, but he strikes everybody out. Is that okay? So, like, how do you view Caleb Smith and Matthew Boyd and guys of the, and Sandy Alcantara, guys of the silk? I think there's great value in them. I think there's a lot of streaming potential in them. They're usually out there in a large number of leagues. I will tell you, though, that being on those bad teams in this day where teams are mix and matching and not letting their starting pitchers go deep into games, wins is increasingly a problem. You'll see projections, and rightfully so, in the 8 to 10 range for a good pitcher on a bad team. And that is a problem for that category in a traditional roto sense. You're going to have to find other guys who are going to fill in those holes. That's why the streaming strategy is critical around them, with them included. Sleepers from your rankings that I would rank better. Jose Quiddy of the Astros. That's still a very good team. Um, Pablo Lopez of Miami. Sandy Alcantara. Wow, you have him at 83. I have to have him better than that. Um, Savali of Cleveland, I believe, uh, would be better than that. Um, I saw something today. Drew Pomerantz might actually start because their bullpen is so loaded. How about that? Didn't Interesting. That coming. Um, and although he was elite in the bullpen and he has not shown that yet as a starter any time in the majors that concerns me a bit Nate Valdi, who apparently pitched well yesterday I didn't see it but uh, that's what curious on him yeah that's a guy I'm, I'm tracking a little bit this spring mm-hmm. Kopech of the White Sox coming back from Tommy John I uh, saw some people uh, uh, talking up Austin Voth Voth of Washington yep, yep. Um, he had, he's had the stuff for years um, stable yeah. skill set likely to grab that spot in the rotation. That's a nice dart throw at the end. I mean, maybe not in our game, but anything deeper. John Lester of the Cubs, who I'm probably going to get in labor on Friday night. I'm so out on him. <laughs> you're you're a pro if, Lester? If he's a dollar, you wouldn't take him for a dollar? Come on, you would. Two dollars? I, I need to tell you yes is the right answer to that, but that league where they lock where he's locked yeah, into your roster... Him. Yeah, but you know, it's still every year. It's twelve wins. It's enough strikeouts. I mean, it was a he's high not year. Be a dollar. You know, he's not going to be a dollar. He was he's... like a. He was cheap last year. If I, he's I could text G bucks? and ask. He was less than five bucks. G had got him for like two dollars last year. I'm almost. That certain. was a weird auction, though. I remember at the oh, end. Well, maybe for the, this for one those, will be weird too. Well, that was a weird auction. You and I had this discussion, Jeff Samarja. You paid what twelve for him last year? I and, paid not that. Yeah, you did. Twelve. Uh, no. You paid in the double digits because we had this. Or, I paid double digits for any starting pitcher, or was it Bumgarner? It was. I'm sorry. It was yeah, Bumgarner. I took I took Bumgarner for like fifteen. Yeah. That's what it was. And immediately after that, pit, starting pitching prices fell off the table. Yeah, and he earned that. You know what? He was fine. I, I know, and that wasn't an issue. But you questioned. I mean, you and I talked about that, and I said it's the right price. But after that, by comparison, there were me- much better bargains. So I don't think Lester at two dollars is representative. If he goes for the price he showed, if he's four or five bucks, are you locking him in at that price? Uh, maybe not for that price. We'll for see. a buck, I'm with you because if he stinks, you cut him. We'll get to uh, the rodeo master later in the show. Relief pitching time now. Josh Hader, you have a sixty-three. Then you have a drop off to Kirby Yates. The Yankee closer, the Astro closer. I will point out I moved down, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, significantly my reliever prices. Uh, I adjusted for what I, I perceive the market is going to be. and It's going to be down. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of closers going between rounds 8 and 15, and I think that's the right price point. I have them a little ahead of where the, the market would. Some some names that jump out to me, I do not have Kenley Jansen ranked where you do. Um, I do not have Will Smith. I don't think he's their closer. I think Merlanson is Atlanta's closer. They pretty much made that clear. Well, or it's he is a their closer. So why do you have Will Smith number 8 if Melanson's the closer? Vastly superior pitcher to Mark Melanson. So you think he'll just take the saves? Yes. I do think now my worry I've been thinking about moving Will Smith down to the 150 range which would probably have him about 13th 14th at the position and that might be the right draft spot but if that's where he's going to slip I want him I think he is as I said a superior pitcher and the worst case scenario has him in a committee where they don't have a committed guy the entire year sleepers I mean Edwin Diaz is a sleeper for where you ranked him I think I think you really yeah because I think people are going to view him as a top 10 closer He's going to fix okay, this. Yeah. He's going to be okay. He was you know, very unlucky last year. Look he at the numbers. Really he really was. Like, like historically unlucky. His stuff was still there. The K's were yeah. still there. He gave up a ton of homers to righties, and that's, there's, Hard there's some repeat. bad fortune. Nick Anderson, Tampa, I think is their closer. And if he is, like, Are Nick, you Anderson, sure? Nick Anderson's upside is Kirby Yates. How many saves did Emilio Pagan have last year? All right, so maybe he only gets 25 as opposed to Yates is 40. Right. I, I want to be with you all in on Nick Anderson. I, I think he, I would have a hard time taking Will Smith over Nick Anderson right now. I, I know that okay. sounds yeah. crazy. No, that's fair. That's fair. I have a hard time doing that because I think, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, opportunity. You're right. Will Smith could push Melanson aside in, on the first week of April, I suppose. Uh, sleepers late. Somebody's got to close for these teams. Cardinals, who gets the most saves right now? Uh, Giovanni Gallegos. But it'll probably be in the 25 range. I think there'll be some changing around. I think Carlos Martinez is going to have to close at some point. Because no, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think Carlos Martinez is going to close at all. I think Gallegos is going to be their closer. Um, San Francisco. Wow. Sorry. No, I know. I'm just saying wow to that situation. I mean, Sean Anderson, Tony it's Watson. Committee. It's so, the, do you not care then? I, I kind of like Tony Watson. Kind of the light Will Smith. Um but I do think they're going to shuffle guys in, and I mean, a Gabe Kapler bullpen. Uh, uh, yeah. Sean Anderson could fit in there. Tyler uh, Tyler Rogers, not Taylor Rogers. Tyler Taylor. Tyler totally different pitchers. <laughs> could have two Rogers. Brandon <laughs> Workman. Really the same name closing. <laughs> you move Brandon Workman up over under thirty saves. Well, they declared him the closer, and I like the fact that they locked in a guy with a new manager. So that statement at the beginning of spring training is a positive to me. Uh, the over. Give me the number. Thirty. I will say the over. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Like, what do you look at when you look at relief pitchers for fantasy? Like, is there a certain statistic that you're looking at? Any peripherals here that you're saying, wow, I want that? Um, tell me what you look at. You win your leagues. What is it? <laughs> Swing and miss factor is A, number one, worlds ahead of anything else. And after that, I would like to see control next. And then I would like to see keeping the ball down. And I know you agree with me on that one. You don't like the guys who keep the ball in the air. <laughs> Sean Doolittle, I'm looking at you. Um, uh, yeah. Because they come with a lot of risk. And the risk doesn't involve blowing up your ERA. It involves losing the closer job itself. I don't think Doolittle's Washington's closer. I think it's I'm not sure who Washington's closer is going to be this year. You, you want to ask me to predict that bullpen for the whole year? I'm, who who leads? I, I'll say the Hudson leads that team in saves. I don't think that's going out on a limb. I, I You know... Could Will Harris? I doubt it's him, though. I think Hudson. I like him the best, but I agree with you. It's I. That's why I don't know here. All right, there you go. Um, and you're more likely than me to take a relief pitcher in the first ten rounds. I'm tr probably going to avoid that. 
And that's just the way we view things a little bit differently. You you will draft Hater. You will draft the Yankee closer. I will wait. And if my first closer is – see, now I did this in uh, an important league last year, and, I, and my top closer was Jose LeClerc. And that did not work out. That was in Tout Wars. You know, but I thought he was safe. He wasn't safe. So if my first closer this year is Nick Anderson, well, he's not safe for saves or anything. So I guess there's risk right. there. But I, I'm more likely to have, like, Archie Bradley, Ken Giles as my first yeah, closer. That's fair. And and I think those guys are probably priced appropriately. I am finding that that's, that's the tier that I've had to dive into in my draft so far. I mean, granted, it's early, but, yeah, I'm not getting those top guys. They're actually going a little bit sooner than even I'm willing to pay. And don't punt a category in draft day, but if you're going to punt one— it's relief pitching because you can get you can get saves. You can get them off the waiver wire. They're easy to trade for. In in labor and tout last year, it was so easy that people were just dumping their closers. I mean, I paid nothing for these closers. Yeah. So to me, like to pen, to like on Friday night, I don't care who's listening. First of all, nobody in the league cares what I think. I haven't won. So I'm who am I? I don't want to say Diaz or Jansen. It's got to be like I'm not paying double digits for like Razel Iglesias or Archie Bradley there. Because I can get them cheaper, and I can trade for these guys on the bad teams midseason. Do you See, agree with that? I I would, from a broad perspective, not in that league. In that league, a lot of you have this viewpoint. And if Archie Bradley stalls at $11, you had better be in. I don't know if I will, because I think that closers will be really cheap. Um, yeah, but... Which would you rather do? Would you rather take the uncertain guy who's six, seven dollars, who doesn't have the job, the committed? Jo- would you rather have Mark Melanson at seven dollars or Archie Bradley? I was Bradley just going to say that probably Melanson because I don't think Archie Bradley's any safer than Melanson. I don't. I do. I th- I think the competition isn't even close. Bradley proved last year he wasn't that good. Our, Bradley you know, was then, excellent after he in your that. draft. You're gonna how much you're gonna spend on Hansel Robles? They already said he's the closer, but that doesn't mean he's gonna be good again. The, the volatility on this position is unbelievable. I, you know, and in Robles, the more I look bucks, at him, the more I'll I believe. That. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't. I wouldn't want to go past twelve dollars for Hansel Robles, and I'm not sure I even want to pay that. But I don't think he's the right specific example. If it's Nick Anderson for fourteen dollars, or it's Joe Jimenez for eight, I'm taking Nick Anderson. If it's Joe Jimenez for four or five. All day, I will take him. Yeah, I, I want to try to get like Scott Oberg for five, and you know I, that's not my sleeper guy in that bullpen. Who's your sleeper guy? Jairo Diaz. Uh, I, I, I like Jairo Diaz. the The injury uh. question is a large one, but I really like the development he showed last year. I actually think he could emerge from that bullpen. I think that's a reasonable thing to think. Okay, that's the first half of our show. Now it's Kyle's turn to play some music and ask some questions. first half of the show kind of got away from us a little bit but i think the discussion was was decent um on next week's show i don't know what we're doing because we've already covered everything <laughs> oh kyle will come up with something right well i mean you guys are drafted a bunch this weekend we could always talk yeah, about we that. can talk about our drafts Ooh, and how yeah. we've done um i wish I, I i asked you this a year ago like what's the secret to winning one of these leagues and i think you know i'm what in, the secret is you know it getting lucky. i know you know it we're getting lucky? Yep. Because I've been in 14 years and I've finished second seven times. And You've I've, finished second like five years in a row. The last you? three years. And, and I've had a shot to win and maybe I should have, but I didn't. I didn't make the right moves. Gia think, thinks I don't make the right moves during the season. Maybe that's it. Um, maybe I don't prepare for draft day. Like You're you doing do. something right to finish second, so let's not kill yeah, everything you're doing. No, but like, on, on the game and the league itself, 
and you need a couple of things to bounce right. When's the last time you won Labor or Tout? Was it like three or four years ago? It's been a while. It's been about five. Uh, Tout was twenty. I enjoy the competition. I enjoy doing these leagues. It's now, fun for me. Um, I'm with you. I've had a lot of second places since that last title. You need some you need things. A, you need to a break or two. Right. You know? Yep. And look, this is the key. I, I, I'll I take your... How many in a row is it? I don't know. The, the I will po- take yours over my past... Well, obviously, I'll take them over my past three. It's a higher standing. But I'll take those second places all day because you are in position to win it every single year. Yeah. Well, see, I, hopefully that can happen again. There's no guarantees. You know, I mean... I'm, look, that's the one you. We've talked about the thirty look, on a player. Spent thirty on Chris Bryant. He gets hurt the next day. Like you know, it could change your whole season. This, this is this is the the two examples. You know them. The one on the final day where the Dodgers had that. The Dodgers and the there was another game. It was Cubs and someone else. It was Dodgers Rockies and Herman Marquez against Walker Bueller. Yeah. And the win in that game decided Tout Wars. I finished second place by a half point. And then the one two years before that in labor, where Jeffrey Marte's homer in the final game in the eighth inning decided by one run. Yeah, no. Yo, I, that's that's where luck comes into this. You put yourself in position, and that's the homework you do. Yeah, that's. I agree with you. I agree. You you gotta put yourself in contention. And you then, did three years in a row in labor. So do it again. Well, let's see what we can do. What questions <laughs> we got? I like it. Daniel has a question about Jose Ramirez. What version of him do we get this season? Are you comfortable with him as a second rounder? Every time I look at him in one of these drafts, I I pass, and I think it's because of batting average. Um. And volatility, to be honest. I love the fact I want to try to get players who are five category contributors early. I want to get my stolen bases early without taking Trey Turner, who by the way may not steal a ton of bases. All right. I, I if you gave asked me the over under on steals for Turner right now, I might I may not say thirty five, you know, like I, I think you know the talk about moving him in the lineup. I do think might it's going to matter. Yeah, I think that might have an impact on him. I like Trey Turner a lot for what he could provide with the bat this year. But I'm with you. I'm starting to get scared. I am getting scared that I I think if I was making a bold prediction, nobody in baseball steals 40 bases this year. And it's Ooh, not even that the bold. Alberto Mondesi fans are going to have words. You know what? With His you. shoulders still hurt. You know what? I I don't I don't think he's going to play 100. 40 games. Gosh, who was my guy? I had a guy who I was... It was 40 steals in the bank. In the bank? Oh. And VR? I mean... No, it was it was one where I know I'm going to get him at a price point that I I like, and I feel like he's 40 steals in the bank. I'm, I, I'll find him. So Jose Ramirez batted 255 last year, but it was a tale of two halves. Which half do you believe? And and the fact that he, he is a player that is prone to two halves like that scares me almost more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I think and he's durable were, enough. Yeah, the, when you want to say tail two, two halves, that was the huge difference. quintessential example. So I have a problem taking him in round two, is what I'm telling you. I think your point about batting average is dead on. That's what worries me. But if it's a 12 to 15, preferably 15 teams, I do think he's on the second round radar. Yeah, and, 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 and he's in the top 30, but in an ESPN league, he's not in the top 20. He's but a I, third round pick in ESPN. I think I'm fading on him. Um, but again, there's not that many guys who are 2020 players. Like I'm also fading Tommy Pham to some degree, and I'm like, well, I got to take somebody who steals bases. I, you don't want to punt there because there's no magic guy you can. You know, it's hard to trade for Trey Turner. It's easier to trade for Kirby Yates. So you don't well, want to be. It's punt- easy to trade for Kirby Yates if he repeats that year. But I see your point about the saves. It's easy to get saves. Is my point. They're everywhere, but it's, and, it's and not easy it- to get steals. And you don't want to. And I, you don't want Malik Smith. You just don't. I agree with you. You don't want him. In any round, you cannot afford anymore to have a hitter on your squad 
with no power. I, I've got the steals guy, by the way. The, to your point about saves, if you've ever drafted three closers in your league and then tried to go to the trade market to trade your excess, you know just what we're talking about. You're not you getting want, what they're worth. <laughs> you want the 40 steals sleeper? I do. Maybe he's not a sleeper, but I think he is. Who? Garrett Hampson. I don't even think he's going to play. But that's not a reason a not to take him. I'll say that. He's a sleeper. Okay. That could be the Cattell-Marte-ish player this year. Well, Although it'll no, be more steals no than power. No power. Not hitting 30 home runs. But the weights I'm talking about, because of the stolen bases, which have more value, it could drive his numbers yeah. up into that level if he squeaks in the lineup like Cattell-Marte did. Do you think he'll play? Well, I don't want to... That, that's not fair because, you know, you don't you don't draft... Play, you want playing time, but don't assume that he doesn't get it. Like, I, in, 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 a, in an NL or AL only, playing time is critical. You know? the, the key with Hampson is that they're going to find spots. He's going to be on the roster. He was fourth in sprint speed in baseball last year. So the stolen bases, the skills are absolutely there. And I think they're going to throw him in there as a pinch runner. The worst case is he's got a Jared Dyson like a role, uh, kind of like role. Okay. Best case scenario is he plays regularly and Coors Field inflates the numbers. I guess my point is it's Hampson could hit 14 home runs, 12 home runs. It's hard to draft Gerard Dyson or Malik Smith. You can't do it anymore. Can't do it. All right. It's, yeah. Next. Burner account is always a fan of Tristan's Kings of Command column. column. Yes. And he wants to know who are some names that just missed the cut and or who would Eric put on the column that didn't qualify this year? <laughs> well, th- th- there's nobody you can add to it because it's, it's a certain formula that you had. But of the guys who were who were qualifiers who I cut at the last minute. Let me look. Do you have them on the is it on the page? Let me look here. It should be up there. Yeah. I'm going to call up the, uh, the list. Be. So I'm looking at the names like Corbin Burns. I see it, but I don't see it. Edwin Diaz, I'm all, all aboard. Max Freedom. It's a wide board. range of value points this year. It's Man, Mitch Keller. I, I keep reading people downgrading Mitch Keller, people that I respect in the industry. They're like, he doesn't have the third pitch. It wasn't all just bad luck. It wasn't um, all just bad luck, but that swing and miss ability just with the pitches he does have, there's something there. And I think that with a little coaching, he could break through. I saw an interesting name. So you have him on your list too, Eliezer Hernandez of the Marlins. If you yeah, look past the numbers, there was something there last year. Yeah, there's. Who was it? I remember either reading or hearing somebody had mentioned that they liked the metrics, and I was trying to find what, like, where the source of this was. But he did meet the qualifications for this column, which was very interesting to me. That suggests that uh, there are guys who have great swinging strike numbers or first pitch strike numbers, and don't have the K's and walks that match it. And that's where I would think his strength is. He was a candidate early. The one who was a better one for me that I scratched at the last minute was Freddie Peralta. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great stuff. What's the role? Well, I, I'm not drafting roles yet. I'm drafting. But, but, but I'm saying that skills. there's there's a wait for what he can do because if he was the closer, I think he's got the stuff to be excellent at it. If he's a, a starter, does he have the pitch selection to get through a full year? Okay. That's fair. And I'll say this. Kendall Maeda is on your list. Um, pretty underrated. <laughs> <laughs> going to I Minnesota, yeah. where they're not going to like mess around with him bullpen and starting. He's he's going to be like their two or three starter. Oh, did I cut Colin Pochet? I don't see him. Oh no, yeah. he's on the reliever side. He's there. No, I know. I'm trying to think if I cut him from the write ups. There were there were four or five at the end. Burns was one. I was waffling between who to throw in there. And you know, a lot of people don't think Bieber is going to do this again, which. We probably should hit on at some point. And why is that? Why do people not believe in Bieber? Bieber and Mitch Keller are going to end up in our projections panel during the first pitch Florida, by the way. (laughs) 
Because if you look at the projections that are out there for these guys, Kellers are extremely wide, as you just described. Shane Bieber's projections in the industry are awfully tight. They are really close, and yet there's this sense that nobody should be drafting him. Why? Then why is he having these projections? It's a lot of strikeouts. He's been projected for 220, 225 strikeouts by almost everybody. Because people think it's going to be a Trevor Bauer ERA and whip. That he, that he, he gives up a lot of hard contact. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll even out. Then why Power. doesn't the projection reflect that? I don't know. Are we not regressing for stat cast numbers yet? And I think we're not. I don't think we are, and I think maybe we should. But I think if you ask me Bieber's ERA, I might say 320. But that's around where the projections are, and that's a very good ERA. What was it last year? Where did he finish? He was a lot better than that. Yeah, he was... He was Anyway, I, I don't know. No, no, it was actually 328 last year. So I want to say like 350. All right, let me. It should up. rise. I had it on my screen a minute ago. <laughs> I guess I closed the. I just the that's a here ton of strike. A 259 strikeouts in 214. Even if you take away a couple starts, man. So that, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you the numbers for for the, give you a little preview of this. The whip projections we're going to have in these the three projections we're throwing up there have him have him at an identical 111, and his Ks are 229, 220, and 220. So we all like him, but nobody wants to say it. The projections like him, and are based on this inning's pitch total. Okay. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. All right, what's next? Alex wants to know if we get a bounce back season from Lorenzo Cain this season. Well, he certainly didn't do it last year. <laughs> and if he had, I might have won labor. But he didn't. Um, the concern with me, obviously, he's not he, he's a little bit of an older guy. Um, in his 30s, I mean. It's stolen bases. You're drafting Lorenzo Cain because, I want you. by the way, we do not project anybody for 40 steals, Tristan. We have Montessi 39, Turner and Malik's at 38. We're hedging. It's not, <laughs> I didn't even make a bold statement. I should have looked first. But I, I don't see... Um, I don't see Lorenzo Cain. He's at 18. If he ends up at 281 with 12 homers and 18 steals, it's tough. It's tough to rank him as a top 25 outfielder. And I am digging up the sprint speed numbers, which reflect a a pretty handy decline in each of the past three seasons to the point where last year he was looking relatively average. I think this is slightly above the league average. But I have him ranked too generously because batting average matters too, and I have, there's no guarantee that he's going to hit for average. If Let's he, see the speed scores. Yeah, they seem to be down. As a matter of fact, 280 is fine, but it's not 300. Fangraphs had him in terms of uh, the weighted stolen bases as a negative performer last year. Hmm. Well, I, I'll be looking his way in labor, but like, man, I can't wait to see, or maybe I'm scared to see, how how people overpay for steals. Kane sells for $12. You in or out? I think I'm in, but it depends on the the, the way my team looks. Not a well, lot that's about, is that about the over-under for the price? I think it's probably NL? low. I think he goes for more than that. But okay. for more, I think, I think, I think in, in labor, like you're going to see Yelich and Turner go for so much money because it's hard to get stolen bases. Turner's going to be the priciest player in your league, I think. He probably should be. Well, Acuna has to be. Oh, right. But yeah. Cunha and Yelich are still more valuable. Yeah, like the, the, the top three guys are just an afterthought for me. I'm thinking in terms of <laughs> you take Trout, yeah, but, uh, you know, the board. If somebody ends up with two of those guys, two of those big steals guys, man, I mean, it's like you don't need any more steals. <laughs> yeah, good point. We're, we're probably looking at, you know, 43, Mookie 42, and 43, and 41. 
Um, anyway, I don't remember what the question was, but Lorenzo Kane bounce back. I don't know if we ever see the old Lorenzo Kane. I don't think he's not a power bat. I think it's more steals than home runs, obviously. And if, if he ends up 300 is probably in the past. He did play a lot though. That's 600 PAs again, three straight years. I think he might well be a 270, 12, 15 guy, yeah. which is adequate. Which is not what you want. Okay, next. Zach wants to help us to help him in a shallow keeper league, deciding between Soroka and Woodruff. In a shallow keeper league, it's neither. Well, isn't it? Okay, shallow <laughs> that's, meaning that's not dynasty. In a, dynasty. In a, in a, in a, no, it's a very good point here, though. No, I mean, my point is, like, if you're in a shallow keeper where you're keeping, say, three, why are either of these pitchers being kept? Unless it's a 20-team league. Let's say he's keeping six to ten. I'm with Eric on this, then. Well, I, we'll answer his question, but the first thing I think of here is, like, you've got to have better better hitters that are more stable, that you can count on for more playing time, and build around offense, and then draft your pitching, is what I would do. So I don't view either of these guys as good keepers in a shallow keeper league. But I think it doesn't have to be Soroka. I mean, Woodruff has the strikeout upside, but the concerns about durability are there. Soroka's shoulder was two years ago. I mean, nobody wanted him last year. Mm-hmm. I'd say he Soroka. did have an injury question before last year that seems to be being forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Soroka is a better pitcher in terms of the building perspective, let's say, over the next three to five years. I, I like the pitcher better, but I don't like to keep the pitch-to-contact guys. I don't ever like to keep the pitch-to-contact guys. It seems to me that that ERA could jump by a run, and he could pitch the same that he did last year. Mm-hmm. And just because of luck and, you know... More home runs. It's it's almost impossible with the happy fun ball to <laughs> to give up only fourteen home runs and twenty nine starts. Well, then we have to look at the ballpark differentials for these. Two have you noticed anything Miller in Park. the spring? You haven't noticed anything in the spring games about the baseball? I guess we we won't be able to glean. It's anything. not enough data yet, but I I am because you remember this came up in the baseball discussion last year at the first pitch that uh, the the spring training numbers showed no hint of it coming yeah. during the regular season. So I'll say Soroka. But I don't think either are great keepers. Okay. I'm I'm going Woodruff, but I agree with you. I think it's a no on both. I mean, like, for example, who would be a hitter that you would say you would keep over both of them that maybe people aren't thinking about? Like Eddie Rosario. Not exciting. We've already seen his best. You have to keep Eddie Rosario. I would keep Eddie Rosario. Over either field. of these starting Even pitchers. Even with the low on base, yeah. Marcelo Zuna. Jorge Soler. You have to keep these guys over non-top 20 starting pitchers with injury concerns. Jose Abreu would fit into that. Marcus Semien would fi- fit into yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I'd probably take my chances with Carlos Correa over either of them. Oh, you have to. You have to. But there's some question. There's some legitimate question there. All right. Next. Last one here. They're wondering if you're concerned about Mad Bum. He's got the weird rodeo story. <laughs> at the bike accident last year. He's been pitching in the, deck, in the league forever. Are you concerned about Baumgartner as your SP3 this season? Well, I'm not. But Tristan, are you? Because he's still only 30. It is a lot of innings over the years. Although the last in 17 and 18, he missed a bunch of starts. But I thought what he did last year was fine. Like, why can't he do that again? Now, obviously, leaving San Francisco, he has extreme home road splits. Arizona's not exactly Coors Field anymore either. But last right. year, Bumgarner, 293 home ERA, 529 road. Uh, the year before that, uh, 163 home, 497 road. So there's something there. 
Are you if Bumgarner ends up with a 390 ERA again and 200 strikeouts, I'd be fine with that. You can't pre- you can't predict the wins. Yeah. As a third starter and a standard mixed, yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah, I don't have a major problem with it. I don't know if I'm ranked that way. I have him 37, so that would qualify as your fourth. But we're quibbling there. Uh, and and you're right. The the ballpark thing only matters here because in San Francisco he called the most extreme pitcher's park in baseball his home. By the way, they changed the fences this year, so just keep that in mind going forward. Uh, but Arizona has also swung back towards neutral, frankly, Chase Field. So I don't think that's a, a severe switch it adds a quarter run to his era maybe and even well, then that would, that would make it 425 and that would be a concern for people i mean it looks a lot different ball day it looks a lot different when that era starts with a three than a four i think the big concern over this rodeo story which was excellent it was an only athletic is um you know durability Are, is he making 34 starts this year you know what let the guy have some fun I mean, do we do we know what every player is doing off the field, you know, during their free time? There's wild boars out there, Tristan. Maybe some players like to, you know, go and <laughs> I don't know. You don't know what we do in the offseason. But that's what I mean. Like why why would we sweat it over that story? I mean, good really? for him, I say, if it makes him happier. I'm not that, worried about that's it. That's for the that's for the Diamondbacks to judge whether they have an issue with it or not. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to change his draft ranking based on the story. No, Are you? No, of course not. And I might end up getting him in labor again because nobody wanted him last year, and I, I suspect the same will happen again this year. But 15? What's no. he going to go for? What's he going to go for? I don't think I'd go over 15. Hoping for 12? Anyway. I think he might go for 10 to 12. I, I do. Um, so know your league rules. Obviously, all the leagues we're doing are different. Labor drafts this weekend in Florida. Uh, I think you can still sign up uh, through Baseball HQ if you want to check out First Pitch Florida there. Um, very different. And you and I approach them very differently as well. You actually study in advance. And then uh, some of these other leagues, um, just keep track. Know the league rules. Don't don't be in round three and then like, oh, do I need two catchers or one? Or is it on base or batting average? Like, people are still doing this. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's a big deal, man. On base or batting average. Big deal. You know? <laughs> we just mentioned Eddie Rosario. Be aware of your league rules if exactly. you're going to try to. Any final thoughts here? Oh, you're in what round in the uh, in your TGFBI? I've only made two picks. <laughs> Who were they? Uh, Soto and Arenado at 15 and 16. Yeah. Wow. That's good value for both. Yeah, I thought so. There were no pitchers I would take that early. Soto went I'll be looking at at least one pitcher coming around. In fact, I think I'm either up or close to it. But, you know, why don't we do it live? You You talk and I'll look it up. Are correcting downward too much the prospect that Arenado could get traded? I'm seeing him get to 15 or beyond too often. Is it because of potential trade that's happening? I do think so. Yes, I absolutely do think so. I'm four picks away. Clevenger's falling, obviously. Nobody wants Clevenger. Um, It's pick 41 in my league and Clevenger's still out there. Uh, not shocked. Luis Castillo's available. Giolito, Aaron Nola. So I'll probably take, oh, Kersh. I'll take Kersh if he's available. But I doubt. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll slip to me. Um, Jonathan VR. Be nice to, look, I don't think Jonathan VR is a great baseball player, but that's probably 25 to 30 steals, whereas I don't think 10 guys are stealing 25 or 30 bases. By the way, where did Fernando Tatis go in yours? He went the pick after I took Arenado. So, so he, he went 17th. 17th pick overall. He was, I think he was the next to last pick in the first round of mine. He was 14th. People love him. People love him. There isn't... Where's the profit? Where's the room for profit? The profit is if he plays 140 games. That's what it is. I think the profit is he plays 160 games. Oh, I just don't think he's doing that. I think 140 is the only way he locks in at that that top 15-ish price. 
All right, we're done for today. We'll be back next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. I was expecting some Bernie Williams music, but it's too late now, Kyle. You, you dropped the ball, and I was expecting that as like a staple of our final minute. If we're going to establish a new Somebody, thing. i got to be you know, made aware of this. Well, you did it last week. Yeah, it was a one, one podcast. People texted me. Size. They're like, I love the way you changed your voice for the Bernie Williams music yeah. segment, but you ruined it now. I, I, it's my day late. is ruined. Uh-huh. Now I'm interested how you're going to work in awesome you, to this ending. You messed up the mood. So this week, we will be drafting in labor. I Get ready. Wait. And it's strategy week at ESPN Fantasy Baseball. It sure is. Are you doing something? Because I didn't see a budget. I am <laughs> doing the playbook. Oh, I can't wait to read it. And I'm doing it something, some too. Info on position scarcity, which is a myth. <laughs> You'll love it. Okay, read your it voice doesn't sound like mine, dude. Yours has crossed the line. Lego Batman totally can talk in a chill voice. Chicken parm for all. That is it for today's show. We'll be back next week for Kyle and Tristan. They're awesome. I'm just Eric. Have an awesome week. Everything is awesome. Darkness. Silence.